20. What is going on? Welcome back. Episode 40 of the 3rd and 20 podcast. My name is Frank Entwistle. We have the main man himself, Mr. Steed. Steed, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, dude. Big 4-0. Huge milestone, not only in age, but in the podcast life. So let's mm-hmm. go. Yeah, episode 40. Who would have thought we would have got this far? And as you can see on the bottom of the screen, if you are watching on YouTube, we have fun segment going on here. 2021 quarterback rankings, prospect rankings for this year's draft. Um, Let's just get right into this. Uh, let me just get it on the screen for the folks watching on the YouTube. Um, and I'll read them out in about a second here. So here we go. All right, I have it on the screen. It's going to be my ranking, Steed. Um, feel free to comment your rankings or wherever you think um, a guy should be. So for those watching on YouTube at Tier 1, um, which I have as a first overall pick kind of grade warrant first overall pick, it is number 1 Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson. No real surprise there. He is been the number one prospect for a while and i agree number two zach wilson the quarterback at a byu and then at um at three there's a teardrop into quarterbacks that i have a top 10 grade on and at three comes a little bit of a surprise to me and probably you i have kellen mond at three at four i have the quarterback from alabama mac jones at five justin fields from ohio state and then we have another tier dropped to my tier three quarterback, the only one in the tier three, which is a late first round, early second round grade. And that would be Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Then we go into tier four. I have two quarterbacks in tier four, which I have as a mid to late second round pick all the way to the end of the third round. And those two quarterbacks are Kyle Trask out of Florida and Davis Mills from Stanford. Then, Tier 5, 4th round to anywhere in the late 5th round, I have, I think it's 4 quarterbacks, Brady White, Shane Boucher, Bouchele, Bouquele, never really figured out how to say that one. I think it's Boucher, um, but I'm not, Boucher? Po- All right. I'm not positive, but I've, I've always said Boucher. I think that's All right, well, better. for the rest of the episode, I'm going to refer to him as Shane Boucher. If I am butchering that name, I'm really sorry. Uh, it... Considering how long I've been watching him for, I really should know how to pronounce his name. Um, I feel at like he's been playing college ball for ten years. You know? Oh yeah, it feels like he's been playing for so long. It feels like he had a four years at Texas and then four years at SMU. I'm um, pretty sure he started playing at Texas when we were in high school. Like, it, like it's crazy. <laughs> um, at eleven, I have the actual current Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger. At 12, I have Ian Book, the quarterback from Notre Dame. 13, we drop another tier to tier 6. Sixth round to undrafted, I have Jamie Newman. Then at 14, CJ Costello. 15, Felipe Franks. And then lastly, 16, Peyton Ramsey. These are all the quarterbacks I have graded so far. If you do not see the quarterback on the list, then I have not currently graded them. And if you would like me to look at it, I have more quarterbacks on my list to look at, but... If you are interested in hearing my opinion on a quarterback that's not on the list, comment down below. Um, So before we get into the nitty-gritty of the film and the reasoning behind these picks, I would just like to preface this by saying I am not a quarterback guru by any stretch of the imagination. 
Um, I do watch a lot of the film. I've watched seasons upon seasons worth of film on most of the guys on this list. But I have been wrong before, and I will probably be wrong again. So if you disagree with me, feel free to leave a comment why. Um, I understand that you most people will not agree with the rankings that I have put together. So um, I will embrace debate. Um, a quick other side note before we really start. The tiers... The guys can kind of move around in the tiers. Like, I've had the guys in Tier 2 basically at every one of those spots, so they might continue to move as the process goes on, but I have thought about this a decent amount, and this is probably around what I have it as um, finishing up. So, with all that being said, let's get into... a quick into... side note. You know, I just want to make it clear that, um, you know, I don't have Kelamon at 3. I have him at 6. <laughs> I mean, dude, I'm not hating on Kelamon, like, you know... Why don't, once go you through your top six real quick. What are your top six, Mr. Steed? I go... It was T-Law, Zach, Wilson... Wait, hold on. I'll, go, I'll even write it down. Okay. Steed's I go, top six. I think it's pretty standard, you know, um, but it's T-Law at one, of course. Uh, Zach Wilson at two. Uh, Mac Daddy at three. And now I flipped around with this, but I think I'm just going to leave Fields at 4. And then I'm going to take Trey Lance at 5, even though my stock is dropping on Trey Lance a lot recently. And then I'll put Kelamon at 6. Now, at the end of this little video montage of film, you know, Mon could easily jump in that top 5. Because I've seen Mon just, you know, starting to open up a lot of people's eyes, and especially for you, after the Senior Bowl, you were kind of like, yeah, I, Mond, eh. But now he's in your top three, so there's got to be something there. And Chris Sims, guys known have a pretty good track record in quarterbacks, has him ranked pretty high, too. Yeah, I did not... If you were to ask me at the beginning of this, if if I were to have, like, Kellen Mond in my top three, I probably would have thought you're crazy, but... I, you know, I watched his 2020 games, and holy crap, he's a new quarterback. But let's start off with Trevor Lawrence, though. Trevor Lawrence, um, do you have a pro comp for Trevor Lawrence? Because my pro comp, and I got this a little bit from you because I was really struggling to think of a good one. I said, Matt Ryan with a better arm who can run well, a.k.a. Yeah, no. a terrible pro comp. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I mean, when we were on the phone talking about, like, I was kind of joking, but low-key, like, not really, like, Matt, Matt Ryan with a stronger arm, much stronger arm, and way athletic, you know. But, like, the accuracy, like, it's crazy. And, like, there's one thing you look at Trevor Lawrence's deep ball accuracy. It's just it's, it's amazing to see. And that's why he's one best quarterback prospect I've seen since Andrew Luck. Yeah, I, I had put in the potential thought of having Zach Wilson at number one. But, like, the more you watch this Trevor Lawrence deep ball, the more you just kind of say to yourself, like, holy crap, this guy is really good. Yeah, he's And amazing. here's one on display against Pittsburgh. This is an absolute seed. Um, he easily has, like, just right in the breadbasket. It is ridiculous. This is like a 60-yard bomb. Perfectly on target. It's just wow. Absolutely just... wow. It just looks so effortless, too. Like, it just comes so natural for him. You know, like, also with T-Law, he's really good, like, with the deep ball. And 
and that stuff, but like him throwing on the run, you can tell he's just very comfortable mm-hmm. with doing that too. Yeah, so in general, he's he's the total package of of a quarterback, right? Incredibly high ceiling, incredible deep ball, good off platform on the run. He's mobile. I mean, the guy had like over 500 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. Um there there's really not a system that you can that you want to run as an NFL team where Trevor Lawrence doesn't really fit. So, you know, he can he can play in any offense, he can make all the throws. And that's why he's been considered a generational prospect. Um, the one thing I will say is that there are a couple of cons I have for Trevor Lawrence. Now, this is a little bit nitpicking, I understand, that I think aren't being talked about enough. And that first con would be his accuracy is a little bit inconsistent on these throws that aren't the deep ball, right? Because his deep ball is easily the best in the class. But on, on these intermediate throws... It's a little bit due to his footwork and his mechanics, but, like, his accuracy does let him down a little bit at times. You can see he's throwing a, 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 a seam route against this single high safety, right? And he just puts it a little bit too far behind his receiver, bounces off his hands, ends up as a pick, right? It's just they're, they're, you see a lot of these throws when you really get into the, the Trevor Lawrence tape from this season where... You just are a little surprised that he misses some of these throws, you know, and it usually is behind his guy. I've seen it on slant routes and dig routes. He'll throw it behind it. It's not necessarily a huge issue, but it is a little bit of a minor red flag for a guy that has been touted as so insane that he he misses these throws more consistently than someone like Zach Wilson does. I think the other big red flag and. Not, nece- not big red flag, once again, this is nitpicking, but it is something that you have to bring up when you're comparing guys that are so highly rated is he does have a tendency to miss players, whether it's a linebacker underneath or not seeing a safety, which is, I mean, for the most part, normal for a college quarterback. I expect him to improve on these, and if, if it was a bigger issue, I wouldn't have him as my number one quarterback, I can tell you that much, but you're going to see he's going to... You know, they're just running a little, like, slant flat, dig flat, trying to suck up one of these linebackers and throwing it over the top. But he just doesn't really see this linebacker underneath. Maybe he he thought he could fit it over, but it ends up as another interception. And it's just something that you kind of have to look out for with Trevor Lawrence is maybe he's not as pro-ready as a lot of the big media people are saying. And here's an example against against Virginia Tech. He's going to assume... They're going to have a corner route. Let's see if I can get this pen working here. Pen? Huzzah? Are we, are we, are we, all right, we're working. We're going to have a corner route over here. And he's going to hit one of these two guys over the middle. And he's just going to assume that this safety follows the corner. But the safety passes it off to this guy and then kind of reworks back to the middle of the field and ends up picking the ball off in the back of the end zone. Um, clear. Bang. So let's let's get this going here. You know, he just kind of assumes, you see this safety, how he's working back and following Trevor Lawrence's eyes to the, to the safety's right, Trevor Lawrence's left. He assumed that he's going to take this corner and he gets a little bit... And this is, Trevor Lawrence is notoriously good in the red zone, 
But this is just something like, you know, he had a couple of pretty rough games against what we're seeing as relatively weak ACC opponents. You know, Virginia Tech clearly was not a powerhouse, and they didn't even have their best defensive back on the field in Caleb Farley for this game. So it is just something that you have to look at when when we're ranking Trevor Lawrence this high. To me, he's still the number one quarterback. He still has the highest ceiling in the draft. Even these little things that I'm bringing up aren't really major issues with him as a prospect. Before this interception, I'm pretty sure he, he hadn't even thrown an interception in the red zone in his career. It just is something say, that I feel like you have to bring up. I was about to say, in those uh, clips of him, I'm pretty sure of all last year, he only threw five picks. You know, it's just it's kind of funny that those two clips right there are just, you know, two of his five interceptions last year. It, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, everybody's going to have a little bit of holes, but hopefully Urban Meyer and company can just polish him out to be the best quarterback that he's supposed to be. But, yeah, I just think his arm talent is too good. Um, I think that Zach Wilson mentally, um, in terms of reading the defenses, seeing defenders, is a little bit farther ahead than Trevor Lawrence and is kind of made more strides over his career than Trevor Lawrence has. It's just Trevor Lawrence as a prospect, his arm talent, like just him in general as a prospect, he's so talented that I don't think you can really pass up on him if you have the number one overall pick. So let's get into number two, Zach Wilson, who I also have as a first overall pick grade. Um, I think that if you were to throw Zach Wilson into the class, even in 2018, um, with Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, I think that there's a good chance that Zach Wilson would have went number one in that draft over Baker Mayfield with what you see. And, and man, he is just exactly what you want in a modern quarterback if you were to draw one up. Like, he just fits. So my, my pro comp for Zach Wilson is... Um, a mixture of Baker Mayfield and Aaron Rodgers, which is going to sound weird, but let me just explain it real quick. Baker Mayfield and, and Zach Wilson were both incredibly accurate quarterbacks coming out, right? They Their mm-hmm. percentages were really high, their completion percentages, and, I mean, they were just deadly accurate in, in their schemes. And the second thing that I, I like comparing them to Baker Mayfield is that they're both quarterbacks that like to escape the pocket early. You know, they're... They're guys, at least earlier in Baker Mayfield's career, that kind of wanted to be outside of the pocket making throws. And when there was a little bit of pressure, he liked being in space. It's the same thing with Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson will, um, whether I think it's more of a negative than a positive, he wants to, when he has a little bit of pressure, be out in space, be on his own. He, he doesn't want to be in the pocket under pressure. Um, and the reason I say Aaron Rodgers, and I think this is the big positive with Zach Wilson, is he's just really good at reading defenders' leverages. Like, he, you know, he, he just kind of looks at the defense more so as, okay, who, who has their back turned? Who is not covering that space efficiently? And I think, oh, I think we're going to get hit with an ad here before you can see it if you're watching on YouTube. But basically, you're going to see... It's going to be man coverage on his running back, and he's going to notice it instantly and, and hit him in the flat for a touchdown. Bang. You hate to see it as a fan of the sport. You got hit with an ad. Uh, two ads, too? All right, get out of here. Yeah, but you see it here. Like, 
you see the linebacker on his running back, and he sees it instantly. Like, this is something that Daniel Jones has been struggling to do. This is, like, the exact same play that we went over in a film analysis against the, the Bucks on that two-point conversion. This same play. You can mm -hmm. see how Zach Wilson, how quickly he sees it. Literally, as his running back is turning around, the ball is out. He's not. He's barely even out of the pocket, this running back. And he the ball is out on time for a touchdown. And you see this time and time and time again. And it's my favorite thing when I watch Zach Wilson. Here's an example against Boise State. Boise State is going to be in a, in a cover four look. So you're going to have this guy is going to be having a deep quarter, deep quarter, deep quarter. And you're going to have, I think it's him, in a deep quarter, right? And then you have three underneath defenders. And what's going to happen is you're going to have these double posts. A pretty good call against quarters coverage because what's going to happen is this inside receiver on the left is going to take away the safety this safety needs to bite inside and then this outside receiver is going to be able to get inside leverage against this corner let me clear this screen up a little bit so that it's easier to see i wasn't even drawing the screen but basically this receiver here is going to get inside leverage on a post with this safety being taken away by the inside receiver and Zach Wilson sees it, it's on time, and it's a beautiful throw. So let's get a run-through of it here. And he, he just does this consistently, time and time and time again. You see it's on time before the safety can get there from the middle of the field. Perfect. This is exactly what you want to see out of a quarterback prospect. And to be completely I don't expect him to go number one overall. But I wouldn't be one of those people that's coming out here and completely bashing the Jaguars for saying, holy crap, this kid's pretty good. Yeah. Um, Steve, you got any other positives you want to say about Zach Wilson before we move into the, some of the negatives? I, you know, Zach Wilson, I think he hit, his big key is, like, he has really good footwork, I think, at already his level. And I think that really helps with his accuracy. Um but a big thing I do like about Zach Wilson is his athletic ability. Now, it's not like Lamar Jackson crazy good athletic, but I'm I'm wonder I'm going to throw out a comp and see if you like this, but I compare his like his athletic ability on how to run and make plays like that kind of to the boy Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel back in the day at Texas A&M. I I think their athletic, athletic ability is very similar in that way. No, yeah, like, when, when you look at Zach Wilson, you kind of think of guys like Johnny Manziel, Kyler Murray, um, the way that they're able, you know, the way that he runs, the way he's able to get down the field, how efficient he is with his legs. Now, if we, if we go to his cons and we transition to some of the knocks against Zach Wilson, I think the first one is the fact that he doesn't really want to stay in the pocket. He, he will escape clean pockets way too early, way too quickly. And while he's able to get away with that at the college level, that we saw it for Baker Mayfield. It was a huge issue at the pro level. Now, Zach Wilson's a little bit more athletic than Baker Mayfield, so he might be able to get away with it more than he was able to at the next level. But it's still something that you that you have to, to put down because if he's just escaping clean pockets because he's nervous, you really don't want to see that. I think the second thing... Um, is that BYU's offensive line was nasty. I don't really have any PFF grades or or stats on Zach Wilson, how many sacks he took or anything, 
But going through this, uh, about a season's worth of game tape, he was really not pressured a whole lot in any game. You know, th this is an offensive line group that a lot of these guys are going to be drafted sometime, uh, you know, come April. And if they're not draft eligible, they're probably going to be getting some some NFL looks. Yeah. Um, but this is a, he was not asked to throw under pressure a ton, which can make you look pretty good. You know, you compare him Trevor Lawrence. Everyone says, oh, well, Clemson was sick. Well, Trevor Lawrence was pressured a whole lot more than Zach Wilson. Same thing with Justin Fields. I think even Mac Jones was pressured a little bit more behind that Alabama offensive line. Um, so I think that that is a kind of a, a, a red flag and even a major red flag that even on a throw like we just showed, you know, there's no one within 10 yards of him. He's yeah, got all day okay. to sit here and just pick apart a defense. So that is something that you do have to keep in mind when you're watching Zach Wilson. All right. Let's move on to my number three guy, the, the one that's going to get me all the crap in the comments. I can already see him now. <laughs> yeah, but that's Kellen Mond. And I understand the, the one guy that everyone's going to say is, how the hell do you have Kellen Mond above Justin Fields? Well, I'll kind of sum it up in, in a quick phrase. I saw more impressive throws from Kellen Mond in one game than I have in about two seasons worth of Justin Fields games. You know, it's kind of just as simple as that. This guy, you know, everyone, I, I keep hearing, they keep saying that, that Justin Fields is the Justin Herbert of this draft. He's getting unnecessarily picked apart and, and knocked on, but he's going to come out and prove that he's a beast. Like, yeah, he could easily do that, but I think that Justin Fields is more of the Tua, and Kellen Mond is the Justin Herbert, because God forbid you say Kellen Mond is a great quarterback and you just have these army of people that I'm not even sure watched all his 2020 games saying, oh, well, he's too inconsistent. He's he's inaccurate. He, he doesn't have the talent. And, well, those were the knocks against Justin Herbert. And I'm not saying that Kellen Mond is as good of a prospect as Justin Herbert is. It's just I think we need to really consider this kid is freaking really good. And the more you watch him, the more you just kind of sit back and say, holy crap. This guy can make every throw. This guy, he, he's much better than, than he was in 2018 and 2019. He's a completely new quarterback. Um, so, yeah, my pro comp for Kellen Mond right now is Justin Herbert. I think that Justin Herbert was better coming out than Kellen Mond is. And, yeah, that might be a little bit looking forward than what a lot of people were saying about Justin Herbert at the time. But uh, I like the Herbert comp because they're both stiff. They both played pretty stiff coming out. Um, they were both really highly touted high school recruits that, you know, kind of as the process went on, got crapped on a little bit as prospects. Um, I think Kellen Mond more so than Justin Herbert. Um, they're both guys that were dual threat but really wanted to make plays with their arm more so than with their legs. Yeah, they would run. They both do run. But they look to throw, then run. Um, and they both have crazy good arm talent. They have absolute cannons. So here's a throw that I have against Alabama, right? They're getting crapped on against Alabama. Alabama's sick. You have to remember, this Texas A&M offense is not very good outside yeah. of Kellen Mond. They, their running attack is all right. Um, on their team, they had like five starters opt out in the beginning of the season. So they kind of got screwed, this Texas A&M team. But this man right here, 
Kellen Mond absolutely carried this team. He he did. He absolutely carried this Texas A&M team, which I think was a lot better than people were expecting in the in, in this season. I'm not really a huge college football guy, but I know they were ranked pretty damn high for most of the season. Mm-hmm. And dude, just look at this throw. Look at this throw. Fading backwards. Two guys about to tackle him. Does, does that not just make your jaw drop? You see these types of throws every freaking game. The the window. There is like a postcard sized window to fit this ball into. Yeah. Like, is this not the definition of a Sunday throw against the best team in in all of college football? He he makes these kinds of throws every single game. Every single I could point to any random game, and I I could show you a throw basically just as good as that one from Kellen Mond. Here's one against uh against Arkansas, going more towards the bottom of the barrel of the of the SEC. This throw was dropped, but holy crap, this is an absolute dime. Every game, this guy makes these kinds of throws. Look at this throw in this sail route up here. It's right in his breadbasket. This window to throw the ball into... I'll, I'll even try to slow it down for the people watching on, on the tube. How do I do this? Yeah, let's do a .75. Yeah, get out of here. This is an absolute... The window to make this throw is so minuscule... And, of course, it's dropped because, you know, that's kind of the common theme with these Texas A&M receivers is that they're not exactly great at catching the ball. Yeah. And I know you're, I'm gonna, you're gonna, there's going to be those people saying, oh, well, you had this inverted whip underneath. Yeah, he had the inverted whip underneath. And, yeah, he's not perfect, right? Kellen Mond has just as many, if not more, flaws than any other quarterback in this draft class. But, man, I watch Kellen Mond, and I just think this guy has so much potential. You know, like, I, I saw the same people crapping on Josh Allen when Josh Allen was coming out for a lot of these inconsistencies and, and just raw ability. You know, he, he's just a little raw. He just needs to, to get under more coaching, more development. And I think this guy could be sick. There's really not an area of the game that you can point at that Kellen Mond is terrible at. Yeah, he's inconsistent. But he can make throws from in the pocket. He throws guys open. He can make throws on the run, off platform. He can run. I think if he can get into a system that he's really comfortable in with a good staff and a good team, this guy could be legit. This guy could be one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. I personally believe that he is a first-round talent and a pretty damn good first-round talent. I think the major two cons on him, his footwork needs improvement. I think a lot of his accuracy issues stems from his footwork. Second, I would like to see him loosen up a little bit. He's so wound up when he plays. And I think you kind of saw that out of Herbert from college. Like he, You know, he's so he's so tight. He's so wound up. Like He does look he's a able little to, stiff. Yeah, if he's able to just loosen up a little bit, you know, get comfortable back there, get a little bit of swagger in his game, I think he could be sick. And then the last thing, which I think he definitely can improve on, is he just needs to work on when he extends plays. He needs to he needs to be more of a threat when he escapes the pocket. Now, I think part of the reason was 
He's playing for a team that his best receiver opted out, and no one can get open. They're dropping multiple balls every game. You know, you, you want to say, oh, well, BYU and, and Clemson, you know, you're comparing all these guys that have actual sick teams. BYU's offensive line, one of the top groups in the league. Clemson, while their offensive talent wasn't necessarily as good as Alabama's, still have Travis Etienne, NFL-level receivers. I mean, Bama, do we even have to start on Bama? Yeah, um, this goes on for them. North Dakota State. I mean, they have NFL players on their team, and they're playing against not even Division One teams. Like, Kellamond is out here literally battling. Like, every, every snap, every game for just the littlest bits to will this team to win. I'm sold. I, I'm absolutely sold on Kellen Mond. And listen, I, I'll take the criticism from people in the comments. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, I don't, you know, I'll move on and learn from the process. But I'm sold. Yeah, it's just interesting with Kellen Mond because um, which team is going to give him that shot? And if he's given that shot, I think he's a guy that, you know, Come draft time, you know, he's not going to be valued as high as a Zach Wilson t where they're going to get multiple chances at it. So I think he would have to take his, whenever he's given his shot, he would have to make the most out of it. But the one thing I do like about Kellen that it seemed like he really progressed through his college career, that he got better every year. So mm -hmm. there's always... He's always looking to improve, and 2020 was a good year for him. I, I mean, from years past, he had been slotted not really a accurate quarterback, kind of like a little bit of everywhere. Now he's now he shows he shows some accuracy everywhere. He's seen those throws where he's made that if you know that's a NFL receiver. On the other hand, maybe a, not Miko Hardman, but anyone else to catch the ball, and um, you know like. There is talent in Kelamon. I uh, wouldn't be shocked if he goes day one somewhere in the back end and just shock people. But I, I think uh, day two, first quarterback off the board easily. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to come out here and expect Kelamon to light up the world in, in even like his first year or even second year. But just the ceiling on Kelamon, I think, is really only rivaled by Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Um. I, like I just personally think his ceiling is higher than Justin Fields. I think it's higher than than Trey Lance. Now that's that's just my opinion. I know people are going to disagree with that, but the guy's got an absolute great deep ball. I think his deep ball is only really rivaled by Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Um, I think his is better than Justin Fields. The only one that's better is Trevor Lawrence, and Trevor Lawrence has been you know, a generational prospect for the past three seasons. Mm -hmm. um, I don't I just think that Kellen Mond is getting unnecessary hate. People are judging him from 2018 and 2019 and not from what he showed in 2020. And like you said, linear development, the, the data analytics proves that linear development is, is very important and a huge determining factor in quarterback success. And it's actually one of the few data analytics things that I do buy into. Um, but let's go to my QB4. Now, once again, these three quarterbacks in Tier 2, I have the margin is razor thin. I'm not going to come out here and say, oh, Kelamon is miles ahead of one of these other two guys. I think he's a decent bit ahead of Trey Lance. But 
comparing him to Mac Jones and Justin Fields, I really do think that it is a very, very, very slight difference. And I've had these guys over each other at all points, right? At one point, I had Justin Fields at three. At one point, I had Mac Jones at three. Now I have Kellen Mond at three, right? But let's get into Mac Jones. My comp for Mac Jones, Sam Bradford. Except I think he's a little bit more proven under pressure than Sam Bradford was coming out. Um, he, like, Mac Jones, and it actually feels really weird for me to putting Mac Jones below um, Kellen Mond because I really thought that Mac Jones outshined every quarterback at the Senior Bowl, including yeah. Kellen Mond. I think that's... I think the big difference for me between the two is that Kellen Mond, if I'm a team, like in a perfect world, right, I could develop a guy for a year or two, and then, you know, year three he comes out and I, I need to rely on him. I think that Kellen Mond, with that development, would just be better than Mac Jones with that development. Now, with that being said, I think that there are some things that Mac Jones does that Kellen Mond doesn't do. Um, the first is I think that, that Mac Jones and is just a beast leader. Like, you sh he showed it at the Senior Bowl. He, this is a guy that learns systems really quickly. He picked up the offense faster than any other quarterback at the Senior Bowl. You know, he was just the, the natural leader on the field of all those great prospects. He was the guy. He, he's good versus pressure. I think his best throws are while he's being pressured. He processes information extremely quickly. Um, and, and I just think overall, like in terms of a guy that has the it factor, he has the it factor. You know, If there's going to be a guy that's going to go to a bad team and turn, thing, turn things around, I think it's Mac Jones. You know, everyone's saying he's, he's just a game manager. Oh, well, he can't escape the rush, so he won't be good again behind a bad offensive line. I don't think any of that is true. I mean, Tom Brady's one of the best quarterbacks behind bad offensive lines. The guy can't escape a sack. I, I think it's a similar misconception with Mac Jones. Yes, the Alabama offensive line is very good. I think they're better run blocking than pass blocking, but I, I liked what I saw with him against pressure. So here's a throw that I think really proves that he isn't a game manager. What game managers make this kind of throw? Just look at this. It's a fake screen with the, this tight end doing a wheel. Right here. Where is he throwing the ball? He's a, he's loading up to throw the ball under pressure. Alex Leatherwood gets beat. Where is he throwing it? Is he throwing it to Jalen Waddle? maybe? Six yards behind the line of scrimmage? Is he throwing it to Devontae Smith? With a corner here, safety over the top? This tight end getting jammed at the line of scrimmage? Where is he throwing it? Is that not absolutely absurd? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. For those for those listening, he just lofts the ball over a linebacker in about the only spot that he can catch it, his tight end. It is super close coverage. Like that that's not a game manager. That's a creator. He's not he didn't manage anything here. He created this play. Mac Jones makes this play. It is unbelievable. He just has such good touch of the football already. He just has so, he, like he has great feel, and already anticipating where where his tight end's gonna be. He's about to get sacked. Yeah, he's not Justin Fields or or, or Zach Wilson where he's gonna start scrambling around. 
But what do you think translates more to the NFL? Trying to evade Nick Bosa coming off the edge pretty clean? Or making this throw in a tight window? You tell me. And he, you know, you, you talk about a guy, I said it with Kellen Mond, how he just makes these great throws every game. Like, everyone just kind of assumes because Mac Jones plays on a good offense that that it's the offense making the throws for him. So you look at a, at a play like this from the broadcast view and you think, oh, well, this is, this is all Devontae Smith. You know, just getting open. No, it's not. This is all Mac Jones making a great play. So they're going to have a high-low here. You're going to have a high-low where you're reading this corner. Mechie's going to go underneath with Devontae Smith running a corner. If this corner, he like not even if he goes forward, if he just hesitates, you, Mac Jones has to put the ball over his head before safety from the middle of the field can get there. If he, if he goes backwards, you just hit the flat, right? It's pretty easy. And Mac Jones reads it perfect. This is an NFL level read. This is a throw that Baker Mayfield, the you know his second season, struggled to make. And then obviously, you know, he got better. And in our film analysis, I showed this same concept that he makes it. You see how that corner just that slight hip turn. He did. He didn't even. He didn't even go forward. He just slightly turns his hips. That slight hip turn is all it takes. And Mac Jones puts it in the window. No, but that's the offense making the throws for him. That's just, that's a slant pass. That's just easy throws, right? That is an NFL-level throw. Both those throws are NFL-level throws. He makes them every game. Yeah, yeah I understand that the Alabama offense had some good freaking players. So did Ohio State. So did Clemson. So did BYU. An NFL throw is an NFL throw. And Mac Jones makes... Just as many NFL throws as any other guy. Yeah, it might not be as flashy and down the field as Trevor Lawrence. But he, 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 if he does that at the next level, he's going to be playing on Sundays. Yeah, easily. Um, yeah, so the obvious con of, of Mac Jones is his mobility. He's, he's not going to extend plays like Justin Fields um, or, or, you know, Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson. And I think the big knock that I have on on Mac Jones and the reason that I actually have Kellen Mond over Mac Jones, because if, if you listen to the podcast before, we're both big Mac Jones guys, is um his deep ball accuracy. I'm not a huge fan of his of his down the field deep ball accuracy. I think it could really hinder him at the next level. I think that's the big issue with with Mac Jones as a prospect. Is if he has these throws down the field, he's gonna need to hit him. He has mm -hmm. to, you know. You look at Aaron Rodgers. When you when you when Aaron Rodgers sees a slight opening, he takes it. The good quarterbacks, even Philip Rivers, right? You give him a, a sliver of opportunity, he takes it. Mac Jones has got to be just as lethal if he wants to be playing for a long time. Yeah, I, I think Mac Jones does a good job though of it really anticipating and seeing the whole field. And I think, like, obviously you saw that in the clips from there, but, like, I, I don't think that's a very easy trait to pick up. Uh, you just get a very smart quarterback that just knows where to go with the football. And, like, that's not so sad about Justin Fields who we're about to get into. 
I, I don't think Justin Fields is very good at anticipating a blitz. I, I, I know I'm about to hit his cons, but... Hey, yeah, you're stealing my thunder here, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry. It's just that more and more look at Fields sometimes. I just don't like him, but... It's the same thing for me. What, you know, I have, I have watched so much Dustin Fields recently. I have re-watched games. I've, I'm, I've watched two seasons worth of games plus a bunch of re-watches, right? I'm just watching, 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 watching. And the guy's the total package. Yeah, He's he got really the arm well. talent. He's deadly accurate. Top 10 pick. He's easily. incredibly mobile. Uh, yeah, I have him, I still have him great as a top 10 pick, you know? Yeah, he might be fifth on the list right now, but... It's not like I'm like, oh, well, he's a late first-round pick. No, no, I have him still as a top-ten pick. This is a great quarterback class. I have him pro-comp to Russell Wilson, for God's sake. I just have two major red flags that I cannot get over. And I really wish I could. I just can't. The first one, which isn't as big of a red flag, we actually mentioned it for the other two quarterbacks, is he has a non-linear development. And... Yes, it's a COVID year, so I have taken that into account with the whole nonlinear development thing. But the fact of the matter is, is that this season was easily his worst season as a quarterback, both statistically and on tape. There were things that you expect him to be throwing. You, there are concepts that you expect him to be getting done. I'm not even going to bring up the most egregious examples. Like, at this point in the process, like you see a guy like Kellen Mond anticipating way better, making way better decisions. Yeah, it's not always consistent, but you, you see it, right? You see it every game at least. Justin Fields, I feel like I haven't gotten that development at all. I feel like he's the same quarterback he was two years ago. Yeah. And the bigger one, Steed hit it on earlier, the biggest red flag, the actual red flag that made me put him five, once again, still top ten ranks, but... Why he's fifth in of, of all these good quarterbacks is his anticipation sucks. It's not Terrible. bad. It's, it's not, not good though. It, like under average, it's bad. It is, and we'll get into it. He just like you know the one thing I like to see from Justin Fields is learn how to like anticipate a receiver being open than actually just waiting for the receiver to be open. Yeah, exactly. You want to see a great example here? So here's a game against Penn State, a game where he had great numbers. This receiver's running a curl on the left side. There's no one within five yards of him. Throw the ball. Throw the... Why is he waiting? Look at... You know, you, you might think this is nitpicking, but in the NFL, throw it here. Ready? He, he looks like he's geared up to throw the ball. He takes two extra hitches. One, two. Why is he waiting? He... if. He almost gives this these defenders a chance to get to this ball, which, if this is a great corner, an NFL good-ass corner, I mean, that could be the difference between a completion and an incompletion, the difference between a completion for a first down and an interception. Yeah, it's nitpicking, but these guys are all so good, you have to nitpick. Yeah, I mean, if Zach Wilson's in that scenario right there, I mean, that receiver gets an extra, what, five to seven yards on that throw, maybe more? <laughs> like, he, he's he's ready throw to it throw it. He's ready. Why Why doesn't he pull the trigger? Why is he taking those extra steps? He takes two extra hitches. Not one extra hitch. Two. Two extra hitches. And it's infuriating because the more you look into his games, you just see it more and more and more and more. Here's a game against Penn State again. Once again, a game, this is, this is not his worst game. This is 
one of his better games statistically. <clears throat> Let's get a little drawn. This is a Madden play. I think it's called oh, wide yeah. corner in Madden. You're gonna have these two underneath routes with with Garrett Wilson. I'm pretty sure this guy's name is running a corner. It's man coverage. It's a pretty great look for this play. And you have to shout out the Ohio State coaching staff because they are phenomenal at scheming guys open. Um, let's get this going here. Come on. Throw it here. Throw it. Look, extra hitch. He gets hit from the edge. He gets hit on these damn extra hitches. If this is an NFL, a good NFL pass rusher, I, you want me to start listening? The Boses, T.J. Watt, Khalil Mack. This is the difference. He takes this this weird side hitch step. He's wide open. That's four yards of space. That's, in NFL terms, super open. <laughs> That's a strip sack. You know, he's good enough, he's talented enough to get away with it, where he's able to make this throw while being hit and still get enough mustard on it. But just throw it here. Just throw it here. Like, when he goes to take this, this sidestep, that's when you should be throwing the ball. All this is unnecessary movement. It shows up every game. Every game. And I just can't get over it. I understand. I understand you can shit on me all you want in the comments. He's super talented. I understand that. I, like, Justin Fields has gone from, like, my QB1 to QB6. I, like, he's easily the most infuriating quarterback I've ever graded, right? It's just, I, I can't get over this. I, I can't. I don't care how athletically talented you are. I, I can't get over it. Yeah, you're a top 10 pick. Yeah, I still believe in you. I want you to be the best quarterback. You know, in my dynasty fantasy football leagues, I'm not shying away from him because his upside is so great. But if I'm an NFL team, I just think I'd rather have Kellen Mond. I think that Kellen Mond is like a little more... I can't talk to the guys. I can't see what the hell he's thinking here, why he's taking these extra hitches and just not making the throw. Maybe he, he just didn't feel this pressure, but th this yeah. is big stuff. This is, you know, you even look at he, him, he takes... Even if he doesn't feel the pressure there, you know, that's still going back to his awareness, not having pocket awareness. Like, you gotta feel that. Yeah, you He's gotta... breathing on you. <laughs> like, you know, he takes, on average, over three seconds to get rid of the ball, which is way too long in the NFL. It, that increases when he's blitzed. Now, the other thing that I'm going to bring up with Justin Fields is that he is so ridiculously athletic. This is why I comp him to Russell Wilson. Everyone, you could say Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson showed way better anticipation. Russell Wilson, on the, on the other hand, yeah, he has better anticipation, but it's not elite level. That's not what makes Russell Wilson good. But stuff like this is what makes Russell Wilson good. Free defender in the... This is a screen pass. Unblocked guy. Are you kidding me? Like, that is ridiculous. Yeah, this is easy. He makes it look so easy. Just sidestepping this guy. Here's another example. 
And this is the bad game. Then I'm bringing up the positive stuff. Yeah, this, this is the bad game. Worst game he's ever played. Unblocked, unblocked tackle. Through literally right down Main Street, the shortest possible distance to the quarterback. Oh, let me just quick turn, quickly turn away, and then just kind of scamper into the end zone. This is it. This is absurd. This is absurd, and. This is why, like, even if someone like me doesn't like Justin Fields, oh, what the hell happened there? Um, you just can't deny the raw talent, right? That's like, I'm not gonna put him outside of a top ten grade. The guy is the most accurate quarterback. I personally believe he's more athletic than Trey Lance. Um, he's the whole package. It's just the mental side of the game. I just think he hasn't really improved. He's not there. So. I don't really know how to judge if he can or cannot develop that. I haven't really seen a ton of quarterbacks that have had this bad of anticipation issues but be so productive and so good. You know, people, I'd actually made a Reddit post about this in the our NFL draft page. And, you know, guys brought up Dak Prescott. I went back and watched Dak Prescott, and Dak Prescott had way better anticipation. Mm -hmm. um, they said a similar thing about Cam Newton. Um... I thought Cam Newton had better anticipation on top of the fact that their offensive systems were just kind of way different. Um, and it's not like Cam Newton was a great passer. So I'm not sure comparing his passing ability to Cam Newton's is the best, the, the best argument you want to make to, to really sway my opinion. But that that's the main reason, the main two reasons why I just have Justin Fields at five. I still really like Justin Fields. I, you know, if a team drafts him, I, I still think he's a good pick. Um, I don't think he's going to be the fifth quarterback off the board come April. It's just personally, that's where I have him right now. And he can easily jump up to three. Like I said, the margin between these guys is razor thin. <clears throat> now, Steed, I want to hear your opinion, though, because you are a lot higher on fields than I am. Oh, geez. Screwed that up. Yeah, I, the reason why, I think, is because I, I see just, you know, the ceiling. I, I see what it could be, like you said, a Russell Wilson kind of type, and I have to, like, rank him for that. And, and the biggest thing, and we talked about it a lot in his little film, is the anticipation. Now, you do remember, Phil's has dropped off on my rankings, because I think two years ago, whenever he transferred to Ohio State, I was all on Fields. I was all on Fields when he didn't play at Georgia. I thought he was way better than Fromm, and he is better than Fromm. Like, Georgia would, yeah, have, easily. would easily. have been so much better. They Georgia might have a natty if they have Fields, you know? But, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, still, at the end of the day, if you're taking three seconds, and you, like you said, like if you're playing against... Let's just look at the last recent game, the Super Bowl, all right, where Patrick Mahomes was running for his life and still making these remarkable throws. If Justin Fields is taking so long to get behind these guys open when they're already open, just put the ball, like you saw Mac Jones do that with the tight end there in the corner, then it's just not going to work. Then guys like Shaq Barrett, JPP, and more dominant pass rushers like that are going to have a field day with him, and he's going he's gonna to struggle. You know, and like a good fit for Fields, I think, to really craft himself would be if the thirds got him at eight. You know, yes. you put you put him in with Joe Brady and you put him under Mark Rule, a good coaching staff, and Joe Brady has done 
wonders in his little short career. I mean, this dude skyrocketed through the league. But you saw what he's done with Burrow. Teddy Bridgewater put up real put up good numbers. And, you, and Justin Fields is way ta- more talented than Teddy Bridgewater. If you put him with a guy like that, I think he could easily just really cap out and be a, a threat to the league. But now if if I if you put him on like the Jets or something like that, I think he's gonna he would easily struggle. A, a team like the Texans or something like who's gonna be the guy that fixes these problems at Justin Fields? Because I like like you said, we don't talk to him. I don't know Justin Fields' learning capability. I don't know if like if you told him that it's just new to him or he's like I, I or just can't understand it and can't fix it like. Like we said, with Kellen Mond, Matt Jones, and all these other quarterbacks, th- their stats went up. And like I, I'll give a little bit of benefit of doubt with Justin Fields because like the Big Ten didn't start until what, like October, you know, and they got a little off to a rough start, and so maybe that had to do something with it. But it's not like you weren't practicing. I mean, you were practicing gearing for the league for the season. So I, 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 I want to see Justin Fields. Um, be very elite at the next level because I think he's a very talented individual, but I just want people to know that I think he's a lot farther than some of these other quarterbacks that can really like take you to another level, and especially in their first year. I mean, I, I agree with basically everything you said. The whole, just a quick synopsis of what I'm feeling is that yeah, I understand there's a COVID year, but that doesn't excuse some of the very basic concepts that he was missing. It's not like this was stuff that was new to him, you know? It was basic high school level concepts, right? Like, I mean, Ohio State runs Dagger, like off, for example. a high school offense. It's a very easy offense run. You saw Dwayne Haskins even have a – he was Heisman contender in that offense, and now look at where Dwayne Haskins is. I, it's just – I, and I'm not going to fault that because, like, I still see, like, Fields is way held talented more than Dwayne Haskins. I mean, you just see it with his, his running ability. But, like, don't get caught up in it. I mean, he's got holes and he needs to address them if he wants to be successful 100%. at that next level. I mean, dude, I had Dwayne Haskins graded as a second-round pick. You know, I have Justin Fields graded as a top-ten pick. It's not like... Yeah, it's I mean, like I I'm do saying too. That, that Justin Fields is going to be a bust. Like, I, would I just be think shocked you're if right he's number two off the Fields board. Skeptical. I think that you're right in that Justin Fields, if he goes to a bad system and a bad coaching staff, and they Sam Darnold his ass, I think he might be fucked. Like, yeah, easily. I so I think um, the Thurs would just be perfect for him. Yeah, I I would love. I think the Thurs are perfect for any quarterback, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I mean I, the Thurs could take anybody in this draft. I, the Thurs and the Forty ers You know, if they picked up any of these quarterbacks, I think they'd be rolling. Maybe. So that's the top five for me. We got through Steed's top six. I'm going to touch on Trey Lance now. Why am I so low on Trey Lance? So my pro comp and everyone's pro comp it seems to be for Trey Lance is Steve McNair. Um, I've been very on and off with Lance. He obviously shows the flashes, and he shows that he has the physical tools, right? There are a whole lot of people that think he has the best arm and is the most mobile. My problem is, is that everyone is justifying that Trey Lance can develop because of Josh Allen and because of Justin Herbert. I don't think that's really the case. I liked Josh Allen a lot. Everyone keeps saying, oh, Josh Allen was super inaccurate. Did you watch Josh Allen? 
yeah, he, he wasn't the most accurate quarterback. He was a little inconsistent, but, you know, he wasn't in one of these Clemson or Ohio State or BYU offenses where they're throwing 20 screens a game, padding that, jacking up that completion percentage. Um, I think that Trey Lance is way more inconsistent with accuracy than Josh Allen was. Yeah. Um, which is one of the main reasons I, I'm not huge on him. Uh, I just saw too much inconsistency inconsistency in almost every facet of his game. Um, the other thing is that we just didn't really see a whole lot out of him. I understand that Mac Jones played, I think, less games than Trey Lance, but I saw what I needed to out of Mac Jones in that little in that period of time. I still haven't seen that out of Trey Lance. So why am I going to all of a sudden, if I'm a GM, spend a top 10 selection on him? Um... And yeah. the third me, the, the third me, the third one is that I just feel like I haven't been wowed enough. Kellen Mond, the reason I have Kellen Mond graded so high is not because I saw the best college quarterback I've ever seen. It's not because he was super consistent, obviously. He wowed me. He had those throws that it's like, I, I see a guy that I can work with. I see a guy that has a huge potential. You know, you fix a couple of issues, and all of a sudden, I think I have a guy that legitimately has the tool set of a top 10 quarterback. Trey Lance, yeah, I see that, but, like, I haven't seen him put it together, really. I I've seen a couple of plays that are pretty good, but I think mentally he's there, but physically speaking, he, he has the tools, but he really feels like one of those physical quarterbacks that, like, isn't going to be able to really put it together at the next level. I could be wildly wrong. Once again, I'm not a quarterback guru. I'm just kind of out on Trey Lance. I, I, If I'm a GM, he'd have to fall to me late in the first round for me to take him probably. I, I'm not yeah. going to come out here and say I'd, I'd reach on him with a, with a top 10, even top 12 selection. It, it almost kind of comes down to, I'm, I compare him to Caleb Farley. I'd rather Caleb Farley. I compare him to Devontae Smith. I'd much rather Devontae Smith. And you kind of go down the list of prospects and all of a sudden, I justify it towards the end of the first round, the beginning of the second round. Yeah, that's where he falls for me. I I would like Lance in the back end of the first round because you know that this is a guy that just needs development, and but he's going to be taken in top fifteen just because of pure need. Uh, it always happens. I mean, you see it. So I mean, when I see Lance, he just needs. The films I've seen him, the games he's played in, he needs work uh, reading defenses. Uh, he's got to work through his progressions better. And just staying in the pocket and making a throw, I think he's like kind of one of those guys that like if he's not very confident in making an NFL-caliber throw, he's going to try to take off and run, which he's a very, he's a very good runner of the ball. But like I, I that gets you... So far in college, that I don't think that translates really well to the league, you know? But, I mean, I just see Trey Lance as more of a project build for a team that maybe has an aging quarterback and they just take a shot and two years down the road say, all right, here go, here you go, man. Now it's your time to shine. Yeah, I just personally think that, that Trey Lance is more of a Jordan Love than he is a Justin Fields-esque prospect, that... Mm -hmm. these issues he has he's i think there's a little bit too much development needed for me to say he's good enough for uh, i'll still take him in the top 10 i just think that that's the difference for me compared to other people um my seventh quarterback kyle trask 
I I pro comp Kyle Trask to Nick Foles. Both big body guys, not the best arm, but ballsy as hell. Um, Kyle Trask has really good touch on his throws. He may have the best touch in the draft up there with guys like Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. Um, the guy is pretty damn good. I just think um, the big cons for him, he makes some mind-boggling decisions at times where he'll just turn down and open, you know, say you have a Mills concept. I, for, I forget who was against, maybe it was against A&M. He turns down the, the wide-open dig to throw the post into double coverage. For those who don't know what a Mills concept is, I'll draw it on the screen. It's just, um, you know, I'll draw it on my face. Bang, you get a dig, and then a post on the outside. Let me draw an arrow. And the general idea is that you kind of, you have a safety. Oh, you can't really see that safety. Let me see if I can change the color. Yeah, you have a safety. If he bites up on the dig, then you throw the post over the top. If he plays back on the post, well, then you have space underneath for the dig, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and... I mean, it's a pretty simple read. You're basically just reading the safety, and he'll just make his mind up before the snap. He's, fuck it, I'm throwing, I'm chucking this ball deep into double coverage. I don't care what happens. Um, his footwork is really rough at times. You talk about twinkle toes. This guy's twinkle toes McGee. Um, and his arm strength just isn't really there. I think that he can definitely improve. The guy's not been playing quarterback for a very long time. So I kind of have him in that late second, early third kind of range. I think he's a little bit better than Mason Rudolph was coming out, so I didn't want to comp him to Mason Rudolph. Um, but, yeah, I think he falls right around there. Yeah, I, I think uh, Trask is a second-round pick. Um, I, I like his pocket awareness. I think he has that kind of by default because, you know, he's not a mobile guy. And, you know, he's going to have to get away with some things that he's going to have to do more than some of these other quarterbacks that can run a bit. But, I, you know, Trash is a guy that I think has been doubted his whole career, you know, career backup in high school, got a chance at Florida, backed up Felipe Franks somehow. Dan Mullen, who has been known as the quarterback guru, guess couldn't tell that Trash was better than Felipe Franks because you see their <laughs> offense do a complete 180 once Felipe Franks towards ACL or whatever he did. Uh, you know, I, I like Trash. Uh, second round pick, I'd take a shot on him if I needed like a quarterback and, you know, you, you kind of toyed the idea. Maybe you kind of get a Nick Foles, you know. Nick Foles one year mm-hmm. when he was entering a uh, 26 to 2, you know, touchdown interception ratio and won a Super Bowl. So I think that's a good route for Kyle Trash. Uh, nowhere do I see him being like a Tom Brady-esque kind of guy, you know. No, I, I agree. I think that Kyle Trask, two-year, three-year developmental project. If you watch our quarterback breakout video on the on the Dynasty Pod, that's going to be released pretty soon before this episode comes out. Um, I think that Kyle Trask is the kind of quarterback that like. You give him a couple years in the league to, to develop, to get better, to, you know, just keep going because he hasn't been playing for a while. He could be a guy with a late breakout, right? He could be one of those guys that we see a couple years down the career. People have given up on him, but he's able to get a chance and really make something happen. I think um, he would have, would have heard that he's a 
smart individual and that they think he'll do well in the interviews because I think now this is just speculation like I really don't know because again we, we don't get to see the interviews or talk to him or anything but you know if he has a good head on his shoulders and knows things like that that definitely helps I would like him on be the second string for the Falcons next year I know that um and just lastly he produced in the SEC I mean yeah what better conference to show up in than the SEC I mean he had one of his best games against the Alabama defense yeah that is no small task right there that is legit so Kyle Trask being slept on I see it I think that he's just more of a develop developmental prospect and that's why we're going to see him go day two um my eighth rated prospect in tier four with Kyle Trask more on that late third side I think more around that Mason Rudolph I guess is uh Davis Mills out of Stanford my pro comp for him is Andy Dalton this is a guy he gets the ball out quick that's the first thing you're going to notice about him when you watch him He, he gets it out on time that Stanford offense is a very raw, not raw, um, pro-style offense. But he, as a prospect, he has good raw talent. He's got the build of a quarterback. Um, he's got the arm strength, kind of. Um, I think my cons, though, for him is that he struggles to stretch the field vertically. Um, and he's just not really a threat after three seconds. It's like if he doesn't get the ball out quick as a defense, you're kind of licking your chops because... He's just not really a threat when, when the play breaks down. Um, so I, I have him comp to Andy Dalton. I think this is a guy, quality backup, possibly. Um, maybe can can come in and start a, a season and have some decent success. I'm, I don't really see a ton of that. Um, but I just, in terms of one of the backup quarterbacks, I think he's one of the better ones you can draft. Yeah, I see him like if your team's, you know... 13 and 2 and already clinched the one seed. Here comes Davis Mills and uh for week 17 start. I I mean like the, you want to talk about he, he hasn't really played, honestly. I mean, was he played total like 14 games in his career and he was out because of COVID for half of the season the Pac-12 this year. Um but yeah, I don't really know too much about this kid. I just So I'm just going to leave that one to you. Yeah, well, he had he was backing up CJ Costello until uh, or KJ Costello until he Costello transferred. transferred, and then he got the starting job. This is a Davis Mills. I'm pretty sure is a very highly rated recruit coming out. I think he was um, number one uh, quarterback in his class, right? Or yeah, somewhere or? around there, maybe in a state. Uh, but listen, I think this is a guy third round. You need a quarterback. I think he's a decent shout. Yeah, he's interesting. Um, I, I do think he has some potential. I just, you know, it's a third-round quarterback. The track it's, record really isn't there. It's interesting, though, because like, I don't want to get too much stuck on him, but, like, you know, <laughs> a guy like Kyle Allen, who was really highly rated out of high school, and he's still in the league, and he's had decent games now. He's not good, but, like, he's had some decent games. I remember two years ago with the Panthers, they started winning some games whenever Cam got mm-hmm. ready and entered. So maybe he could follow like a role like that and kind of like showcase more of his talent at a pro level. No, I, I completely agree with that. I, I'm not coming out here expecting him to be a consistent top 20 guy, but like Andy Dalton, I mean, he gave the Bengals some great years. Um, he's got the build. I think he has the raw talent. He just needs to put it together. He, he came 
and is in a pro-style offense, which I think will give him an inherent advantage when it comes to some of those interviews and, 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 and kind of how attractive he is compared to some of these other college systems. He just has to learn less. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, he's, he's a decent shout. It's just a loaded quarterback class, so he's going to be kind of pushed towards the bottom. My number nine ranked quarterback, I only do the top ten. You can see the 16 I have ranked at the beginning of the video, is uh, Brady White out of Memphis. My pro comp for him is a poor man's or budget Philip Rivers. Mainly, you see, his, he's got that weird, like, side army kind of release. Um, so he shocked me with how, some, so, how good some of his throws were. Um, I, I almost... A lot of the throws I saw were... If any of you guys play Madden, and you play against the all-Madden computer, where they'll do those weird, like, lobbed throws that are somehow perfect, but you're like, how the hell did that get there, and one of my guys not intercept it? I feel like that's some of Brady White's throws. It's like, he just has some of those throws where you're like, well, that's a duck, and it just gets there, and it works, and you're like, well, holy shit, how did that work? Um, he's pretty accurate down the field. I think the cons for him is that the Memphis offense is the Memphis offense, and I think it's a very college-esque offense. Yeah. Sure. I didn't think he was very good versus pressure. He's old. He's like 24, and he's kind of small. So I think that that kind of just naturally will bump him down compared to someone like a David Mills or a Kyle Trask. You have these prototypical NFL guys that have similar success and similar pros and cons. It's like, well, we'll just take the more athletic guy. But Brady White's an interesting guy. I think that... You know, in terms of these backup, dart throwy kind of quarterbacks, I have him as one of the higher-rated one of those guys. Okay. And our last but not least, we have my 10th-ranked quarterback. I knew this guy was going to get on here. It's Sam Boucher. Um, hopefully, I'm not butchering that name. <laughs> um, my pro comp right. for him is a budget or poor man Sam Darnold. <laughs> Uh, I think my pros for him is improvisation. You know, you talk about a guy that when the play breaks down, he's kind of scary. He makes some plays happen. Um, he's had some really good production. Now, he is in, once again, some favorable offenses at SMU for a college team throwing the ball. But, he, I mean, he produced. He has some great numbers. And he's got some good arm talent. This guy can kind of chuck the pill. He has kind of a wacky release. I think it is a little bit long. But, I mean, he can get the ball where it needs to go. Um, I think my cons for him, his accuracy kind of sucks, and it's very inconsistent. His overall consistency is not very good. And to go hand-in-hand, hand, not only is his accuracy, his ball placement, his accuracy, it's all just kind of very inconsistent and off. I guess it's not inconsistent if it's consistently inconsistent. Yeah. Um, I think maybe if he improves on that with his footwork, maybe tidies up that release and his mechanics a little bit, maybe he can become good. I don't really know. I think that once you get to Sam Boucher, it's like very meh. I have Ian Book as my last Tier 5 guy, mainly because he impressed me at the Senior Bowl. And then after that, it's like Tier 6 dudes who I'm not really drafting. So with that being said, that's the quarterback rankings. Man, that went a little bit longer than I expected it to. But I guess we had a lot to say. Steve, do you have any final thoughts on the quarterbacks from this year? We'll probably revisit this a little bit. Yeah. Um, right before the draft and if anything changes um but yeah that's it Steve, you got any final thoughts uh other than that i just think this is really like very talented group of class especially with those top five or six quarterbacks i think 
I could see any one of those guys be in the league for uh, the next 15 odd some years. Maybe all of them, you know. That's what you're kind of hoping for. But just mathematically, some will fail, some will be good. Maybe there's a shocker. Maybe it's Sam Boucher. Who knows? Maybe it's the Mills guy. But that's all I got. All right. Let's move on to giving up on Jared Goff. So, Jared Goff, as we all know, has been traded from the Rams to the Lions. He gets traded to the GM that drafted him number one overall, that gave him that big contract extension that everyone has been pretty much shitting on on the Rams for. Uh, they're eating a lot of dead cap in that move for Stafford. Steed, I'm going to bounce this one to you. Are you giving up on Jared Goff's career? Do you think that Goff... He's just going to kind of fizzle out, or do you think that he's going to stay, stay around, stick around, stay relevant? Um, now, just so, like, I'm going to take Detroit out of it, but just based off Jared Goff, I still think he has all the talent in the world to be a very competent top 15 quarterback in this league from years on out. I still love his arm. I, I Now there's areas he definitely has to improve on, and, like, you've seen him regress a little bit the last two years, uh, where his bread and butter was that play action then something down the middle. And maybe if he's able to find a consistent running game again and just get back on his feet. But, you know, him playing in Detroit, that's not a great track record. You saw Matthew Stafford had to be Superman over there. And, you know, how many times they make the playoffs? Twice. But now with uh, PC <laughs> Principal, a little different culture. The but, dude. Yeah, it's just that, you know, golf is coming into a situation where not a lot of people are expecting anything out of him, so I think it's a more relaxed spot. He can kind of just go out there and play his game. Kind of like how he was able to kind of play at Cal, because nobody's turning on a Cal, a Cal game to watch, you know, and he was able to just kind of do his thing and really progress forward. But... I he's got to understand they're not going to win this year. They're going for a complete rebuild there. That's why they're getting all these first round picks and trying to build around them and things like that. But he's got to understand that it, since it was the GM that drafted him, GM that got him in that trade, that there's still trust there. And I think you know if you went through, I I'd rather have golf and just draft BPA this draft than take a quarterback. That'd just be me. But uh, I think. With the NFC North moving on, you know, Rodgers is out, uh, and then, you know, is Jordan Love the guy? Like, from the future, maybe the Lions could be on to something with golf, but all in all, I'm still in a golf. I think the talent is still there. He just needs to work on a few things. Man, I'm so torn on this because I was looking at golf, and it's like, that year three he had was really good. He was like a top quarterback. In the I mean, league. dude, he was the MVP candidate that year. He was crazy. And then all of a sudden, it's like a fall from grace. Like, so my brain is telling me, dude, you you can't give up on golf because the quarterback position in general is a very up and down position. That's why I say, like, you really can't judge guys after only a year or two because this is a this is a position. It's tough to be a year in and year out starter. Like, you'll have. Sometimes you'll just kind of lose it, right? It's a fast game. It's tough. And a lot of it isn't on you when the public puts it on you. But my heart is saying it's done. It's done. I'm going to say, I'm going to I'm gonna agree with you, though. I don't think golf's time in this league is over. 
The guy's a first-round pick. He has the first-round pick. He's a first-overall pick. He has the draft cap. He has the talent. Um, I, I do think that he is a flawed quarterback in a sense, but I think he has the necessary tools to stick around, kind of like a Jimmy Garoppolo. I just think that that unless the, the talent of the quarterback position really gets a whole lot better for all 32 teams, that he's always going to have a spot as a starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, he, I think he's just almost too talented that you get him a team around him, he's going to be good. Yeah, he's not going to carry you, but he's going to be around that 15 to 20th to maybe 25th best quarterback in the league year in and year out. Maybe he'll be kind kind of become like the new Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of gap quarterback that, you know, if you think you have a good team and you just don't have the draft pick or, or you want to nurture a young guy, you bring in a Jared Goff. But yeah. I agree with you. I think that he's going to stick around the league, and, and he's not just going to fizzle out after his, during this tenure or even after with the Lions. I think he's going to stick around. He's making too much money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just needs to get that contract out of there. Yeah. Um, so a similar topic to giving up on Jared Goff. Um, another relatively controversial, kind of controversial quarterback is Baker Mayfield. And speaking of Jared Goff, I want to ask you the question, Steve. Is Baker Mayfield closer to Jared Goff or to Josh Allen? You know, because the the Browns are going to have to make a decision pretty soon. Do we give Baker Mayfield that big contract? And whether you like it or not, Baker Mayfield, at least after this season... He's got enough leverage to say, hey, I want not necessarily the contract that Dak just got. No, yeah. But I'm going to need to be paid probably a top 10 quarterback in the league money. You know, kind of similar to that Kirk Cousins contract that he got out of Washington. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a two-sided question. A, is Baker Mayfield closer to Goff or to Josh Allen? And B, if you were the Browns and you were forced to right now, would you give him that big extension? All right, so when I say he's closer to Josh Allen, just know that I know he's not Josh Allen as of right now, you know. But I'm he's better than Jared Goff right now, and like I I would give him that top ten quarterback money because what I've seen from Baker, you know, tremendous rookie year, sophomore slump, it happens. New coach, new offense role, a little choppy at first, then mid to late season really got it going and play like a number one pick is that I think Baker Mayfield and one reason why I would buy Baker Mayfield is because I think you saw it through his college days is that if he has to fix something and he has to learn it and just see it, he can fix it quick and really just, he can almost kind of master it and get a feel for it. So I think that little part of him, like that competitive part that always get better, never changes now, is he as gifted as a Josh Allen? Is he as gifted as a Kyler Murray? Guys like these? No. But I just saw the Browns go to the playoffs for the first time in, what, 20-something years and win a playoff game with Baker Mayfield and had a shot to beat the Chiefs in the second round. So I'm, I'm, giving, that top 10, I'm giving that top 10 quarterback money right to him easily. I still love Baker. 
Yeah, so I, I believe that Baker's closer to Jared Goff, but I do agree with you. I think that the Browns would be in a position you kind of have to pay him because who are you going to get that's better than Baker Mayfield without completely giving up the house? And if you do give up the house, like, are you setting yourself back at that point by giving up on Baker, right? Um, this year for Baker coming up is an absolutely massive year yeah, for him. Yeah, he comes out if he comes out and plays well and plays as a top twelve quarterback in the league, he's getting that big contract, and I think he'll prove a lot of his doubters wrong. And I completely see where you're coming from. That was um his coach at Oklahoma. What's what's the guy's name? Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Riley. Riley. He said that exact thing. Like Baker's the kind of guy he just needs to see it once, and once he sees it, he'll he'll know it. He he knows it. He'll get better. You just kind of got to give him that time. And obviously Stefanski was able to work through a lot of his issues, um, but I just think that Baker Mayfield might con- might just be that guy that where you put a good team around him, he'll look great. But if you ask him to carry the load of a bad team and, and carry that team to wins, I don't think he'll be able to do that. I think yeah. there are very few guys that can do that, and Baker Mayfield just can't. I still think a perfect comp for him is Kirk Cousins. You know, I think they're very similar in the way where you put a good team around him. He's a very capable quarterback of winning the division and taking you to playoffs. And remember, the AFC this year was very tough. I mean, if you won 10 games this year, you weren't in the playoffs. I mean, so, and I just see, like, good things moving forward. I, like, I really like Stefanski, and, once, and usually you don't see a quarterback really, like, uh, exceed in a in a new scheme until their second year. I mean, look, Rodgers had a good year first time under Lafleur, but then won the MVP next year in his second year under it. Matt Ryan under Shanty did the same thing, and you look at it like that. That's why I think, and Patrick Mahomes sat out a year, and then look at his second year and won the MVP. So I like I'm not saying Baker Mayfield is going to win the MVP next year, but you know another a year under his belt in that offense. And a whole offseason just to look at film and train, get better, um, maybe add some more weapons, get that defense better, help them out. I I still think they're scary, man. Scary team. And they're I think well, they're yeah, scarier with Baker. You've basically been a Browns fan ever since the podcast started. You've been I mean, you, you said it at the beginning of the year that the Browns are a playoff team. I'll give you credit where credit's due. You've they were you playoff bought team two into years every share. Yeah, you, you, you bought into every share of the Browns you possibly could in terms of, of podcast stocks. It, it felt like every episode you were saying that the Browns are a good team. So, I mean, I'm not surprised you're coming out here and saying that you believe in Baker. You also believed in Baker in the draft. Um, so, I, listen, I, I, I like Baker. I just, kind of like you said in the beginning of the season um, for last season, as if he can just get that confidence, get that chip on his shoulder, which I think we saw towards the end of the year, this guy can do it. He has the talent to do it. And you compare him to Kirk Cousins. I mean, he's got way more talent than Kirk Cousins ever did. You know, he, he just oh yeah, he's, he's got a way better arm. Yeah, and we saw how much better he got. So I don't think he's at that Josh Allen level. I'm just saying that's his... I, I got him in fantasy. So yeah, I mean <laughs> that's on, his, Baker. That that's just my comp with him kind of like in his third year. I mean, we could be saying two years right now, he's got that $30 million contract, and his comp is like, you know, is he going to be the best quarterback of class? I think Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are kind of fighting at that moment. But, you know, 
I mean, he's making the playoffs too. He's knocking at the door. I mean, it just depends, like, if he starts getting into this UFO stuff, you know? Like, (laughs) really, I I don't know what's going on there. I dig it, but, like, you know. Do you think Baker has – do you think Baker next year can end up and firmly be a top-10 quarterback? Yeah. I mean, dude, like, didn't everybody count out Derek Carr two years ago? I mean, Derek Carr played, like, a top-10 quarterback this year. And – yeah. So I, I just think Baker has a lot of good th- – the, the identity of the culture has changed in Cleveland where they got a stable quarterback that can play and he can um, react quick and change up and play to his strengths, and they got a stable nucleus there now in that team where they will compete. It's not the bad news bears anymore. It's the Cleveland Browns of – the future is to fancy's Browns that are going to win the Super Bowl in the next five years under Baker. Wow, bold words. Bold words. Guaranteed. I, I just got to keep on buying season. more stocks, dude. <laughs> I'm doubling down. Buy, buy, buy. Buying everything. Um, well, yeah, that's, that's about it for the episode. Um, this episode is not sponsored by, but if you need a pen, the Sharpie S Gel. Easily the best pen you can you can buy. Oh yeah, the S gel. Uh, Sharpie sponsor us because this pen, fantastic. Big fans. But of if pens. you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you disagree with the quarterback rankings, please don't crucify me. But if you'd like to debate, I, I'll be in the comments looking. So embrace debate. Um, thank you so much for listening, Steed. Peace out. I'll see you, man. Sayonara.